What is going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your official and premier resource for everything Ohio State news and athletics. We are coming to you on August 28, 2017, and my name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, and here we go. It is time for the college football season. It is upon us. Ohio State plays on Thursday. You're probably listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday, and we're going to get you ready for the game this week. And to do that, I am joined by my fellow, I guess, former co-host and former host of this podcast. He is the SB Nation College League Manager and also a published author of What If? A Closer Look at College Football's Great Questions. And his name is Matt Brown. Matt, it's fantastic to have you back on the show, man. It's 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 always good to be back. Uh, you know, this, this used to be my baby. It's always a little bit weird to be sitting in the passenger seat instead of the driver's seat uh, for 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 this kind of a podcast. But like, I, I'm I gotta tell you, like, I'm I'm legitimately excited, and that wasn't the case a couple of days ago. Like, typically, I feel like during the off season, I am like actually very excited that there's no football for a while and then like as we get really close to the start of the year you kind of get those those butterflies again like kind of like how you felt when school was about to start and this year I mean, in part because of a bunch of changes at my, my job here at SB Nation and and maybe just the tumultuous off season I was feeling pretty tired and uh, I got to tell you just getting a little bit of that of that uh, of that football back in my bloodstream uh, even though most of the games are trash I, I'm 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 psyched again. Like I'm 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 really I'm I'm pumped for all of these great games here this weekend, and we have a really, I think, exciting one here for for Ohio State. There's a lot of fun storylines, a lot of things to get into. Where do you want to kick off with that? We might as well break down right into the game. Urban Meyer released a depth chart today. There was a press conference. He talked about having more depth at wide receiver since. He's been at Ohio State. What do you think a good place to kick off talking about this game is? One of the one of the things that's really interesting to me would be all of the non X's and O stuff that go into this game that makes it so hard to, uh, you know, we, we, we you know you and I we both love S and P plus right we 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 love we love Sagar and we love getting into a, a lot of the math here to try to inform our our thought process. But like, is this the biggest home game in Indiana football history in like a decade? Like maybe 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 more than that. You've got part of College Game Day coming to town. You have one of the most successful Indiana head football coaches ever is now calling plays for Ohio State. There's a lot of weird emotional baggage uh, like on from Indiana side. How how going to react to that? How, how how's the team going to react to that? Assuredly, you know nobody knows Indiana's defensive personnel better than Kevin Wilson in terms of somebody who's not currently employed by indiana how is ohio state going to handle playing here in what i imagine is going to be more of an indiana crowd than ohio state indiana games typically are potentially making substantial changes to the offense in terms of in terms of tempo in terms of of breaking in a lot of these new contributors here like i think ohio state is clearly better than indiana they might be a lot better than indiana um but there's so many weird emotional things going off here on the side along with the fact that it's a Thursday night game to kick off the season, and most teams are kind of sloppy to start the year, um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is actually a pretty competitive game because there's so many other variables that I feel like we can't effectively account for, you know? Yeah, it does seem like a lot of this game and a lot of everything on the outside is going to play a big role, and I I do think that, you know, there's going to be a difference between 
I think, how Ohio State approaches this game because even for the younger players, they have been on the sideline for the Michigan game last year. They've been at Wisconsin in in overtime in those big games. They've either played or seen Ohio State play in a playoff game. And the same can't be said for Indiana. So to your point, I think just looking back quickly at the last 10, 15 years of Indiana football, this has to be the biggest game for them, home game at least, since they played Purdue in 2007. And not only the old Oaken Bucket was on the line, but I believe, too, a bowl game appearance. And that was right after Terry Hepner died, I think, yeah. too. And they hit that game-winning field goal to send him to a bowl game for the first time in forever. So I think, you know, either a game like that or you can look back the last couple of seasons – at home games against Michigan and Ohio State where they've had a chance to win is probably the biggest game for them. So it'll be interesting to see how Indiana's players and Tom Allen, who I don't think has coached in a game of this magnitude, at least in terms of everything on the outside looking in, to see how they react against a team and a coach that are very used to those situations. Yeah, and the other you know important wrinkle here, I, that that's a great point. Like this isn't really that young of an Ohio State team, right? You know, you're returning almost everybody of consequence from last season. The uh, the question marks are going to be with the secondary, where you're bringing in a lot of new contributors, and and there's a little bit of a quite well, maybe a lot of bit of a question mark at wideout. I, I I saw Urban Meyer today talking about how he appreciates the depth. You're gonna you're gonna see a lot of different. Uh, players get playing time there. They're going to rotate probably six guys in, which I, I think makes a lot of sense because you can go send somebody on a go route if you're rotating six or seven wideouts, just tire out a defensive back, bring in another four-star guy and attack him. But there's there's not that there's not that returning defined production at those particular position groups. But everybody else, you're right. Like is this this is going to be a hopping place to play. But everybody else in this Ohio State roster has had a lot of experience in those kind of environments, even early in the season. Uh, I don't know if you could say the same thing for the Hoosiers. So, so how how they react to this pressure and all the emotion that's going to be happening here under the lights? That's that's going to be fascinating here to see. Where are you at on the wide receivers right now? Because for the past, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks, it's just been that barrage of news and stories and articles about. Oh, the wide receivers are, are looking great. This is the most depth that they've had. They're ready to bounce back after a couple of seasons of really struggling. And it seems like people are propping them up. But that also was the case last offseason, too. And I feel like, for me, I'm in an area where, you know, I, I look at that depth chart and you have H-backs like Paris Campbell or, or K.J. Hill. And Hill's probably the guy that I'm most excited for that I think has at least shown something on the field and can do it again this year. But then... There are guys with great pedigrees like Austin Mack and Benjamin Victor, Terry McLaurin, and now Johnny Dixon looks to be healthy and try to make his first real impact on the team. And to me, I, I still feel like, you know, until I see it, I'm just going in with the impression that not that this group isn't going to bring anything, but that they're just an average group until proven otherwise. I don't know if I necessarily say average. I mean, I don't think it's average in terms of potential, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I help me in thine unbelief is, is what I would say, I guess, to uh, Ohio State's coaches. We've, we've been down this road before. You know, I, I would love for Johnny Dixon to have an, a huge season because of all the adversity that he's had to overcome and, uh, you know, the, his, his poor injury luck. You know, I'd love to see Paris Campbell now in, in a different kind of role in the offense begin to really thrive. It's, it's clear the coaching staff thinks very highly of him. And you've got a bunch of players who 
have shown a little bit. Like, you know, I, I, there were some cool things that K.J. Hill did last season. I, I hope he gets a chance to play. They've recruited very well. That There's, I think, a different kind of athlete in this room now than in the last year or two. Um, Mac and Victor uh, have a body type that I think is more towards a prototypical wide receiver rather than kind of uh, these hybrid H-back kind of, kind of players that, that the Buckeyes have recruited. Um, but I'll believe it when I see it. And I think there's a reason to be optimistic, in part because I think there's a reason to think that Kevin Wilson's offense is going to be able to help Ohio State exploit their athletic you know, mismatches that they're going to have against teams like Indiana or against teams like Iowa you know, down the season here, whether that's by playing with tempo or finding more high completion percentage throws for JT Barrett. But will I? I mean, like, I'm going to believe that there's going to be a 275-yard passing day or something when I see it. This is probably a perfect matchup for them to start the season to, given how the season ended last year and some of the offensive struggles, not only at wide receiver but along the offensive line too. And they're matched up not only in a conference game instead of a cupcake game, but you're playing a team that's played you tough the last couple of seasons and had a top 35 defense last year. They ranked 31st in defensive S&P Plus, and you're going against a coach that we talked about, Kevin Wilson, knowing the personnel for Indiana. Tom Allen knows Kevin Wilson's offense. So, you know, I don't expect this to be no matter what happens, kind of a full look at how Ohio State's offense is going to be for the rest of the season. But I definitely think we're going to get going to get a better picture of what they are in this game instead of like if they were playing Bowling Green again like they did last year. You know, I, I think that there are going to be more tangible things that we can take away from this, even though it'll only be the first game of the season. Absolutely. This is uh, in, in, it's weird looking at this Indiana team because this is kind of playing against type from what we uh, can expect from a, from a Hoosiers team over the last couple of years, right? So like, so I'm 30, and so my over the, the bulk of my early college football fandom, when I think of Indiana Hoosiers football, like I thought of homecoming game opponent. And I think a lot of Ohio State fans still have that in the back of their mind. Like this was perennially one of the, the three worst teams in the Big Ten for, for decades. And then over the last couple of years, their identity has been that of, you know, all capital letters, chaos team. So this is a team that's kind of hovering around the bowl eligibility line. It's not necessarily a very good complete team, but they've scored a gajillion points. They've played Ohio State very, very tough. I think tougher other than anybody outside of Michigan State that the Buckeyes yeah. played regularly in the Urban Meyer era. And now this is, I think, a much more Big Ten-looking team. I, there's some questions, I think, about their offense, especially Indiana's running game. Um, they have, you know, they've had to replace some really, really good offensive linemen. There's some skill position players with some experience coming back, but like in terms of their running game efficiency, it was very, it was very poor. But they might have. An excellent defense. You, there's, a, there's a ton of defensive backs that have some experience. Uh, to Grace Scales is he's one of the best players in the Big Ten. One of the yeah, straight up one of the best players in the Big Ten. Going to produce absolutely ridiculous stat lines. Would be a starter at Ohio State. There's not many guys on this Indiana top 20, like top 22 that I think would start for Ohio State. He would like un, un, unquestionably potential you know second team All American third you know third team All American kind of player. And that's not what you think of when you think of Indiana football. So, like, this might end up – this will be, I think, a very good test. On the road against a, 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 a likely bowl team or in that conversation with some very good defensive, you know, parts, this might be closer to, like, a, a 28-10, 28-13-17 kind of game than maybe the 49-10, to 10, you know, openers that 
many fans are expecting. Although I think if that happened, that would probably make some Ohio State fans nervous. Yeah, and it's so easy to get caught up on how Ohio State's offense is going to do in this game, not only due to how the season ended last year, but with Kevin Wilson coming back to Indiana, that whole storyline. But what about the defense? Because Ohio State does lose so many of those guys from that secondary. We know about the defensive line. It's arguably the best in the country. The linebackers are solid with Booker, Worley, and Baker. But what are you most looking for in this game from Ohio State's defense? There are, there are two. I mean, there, there's two things to look for. Obviously, you want to see what Indy, what Ohio State's secondary is going to look like, given that you're bringing in a lot of of new of new guys, right? Like Jordan Fuller, Eric Smith, they're they're going to play. Kendall Sheffield's probably going to play. Sean Wade, Isaiah Pryor, Jeffrey Okuda. A lot of these freshman redshirt freshman guys are are going to get snaps, along with you know Denzel Ward and and, and Damon Webb. So that that's. This is a unit that has an expectation of excellence. It is a unit that has an expectation of sending players to the first round of the NFL draft. And it does that because they are equipped to be able to be left on islands, right? They, they can play man coverage. They can go one, one-on-one and go get the football. This is, this is a, a newer group, and it's a greener group. And it's, uh, you know, you're not going against Oklahoma State. You're not going against Penn State. You're not going up against maybe one of the, the strongest passing attacks in the Big Ten, but it's not a it's not a it's not a bad passing attack, and there there are guys here that that can do well. So we're looking there. Can they win those one-on-one coverage battles and prevent explosive passing passing uh, plays from Indiana? And then you're also looking at just who's going to be getting snaps and where that where that pressure is coming from on the defensive line because there you have just an absolute embarrassment of riches of talent at tackle and at end and Larry Johnson's going to be able to get really creative in pass rushing situations and second and third and long and uh, you know does, does this mean you see more production from Bosa does this mean that you see more production from Lewis does this mean that you know you, you start getting creative and, and moving some linebackers in a little bit maybe what happens with Chase Young um, could be a lot of different people getting getting some playing time there. That is the unit that absolutely has to really carry the day here for Ohio State. If they're making, if they're perennially in Indiana's backfield, which I think is possible, that one that makes things enormously easier for your secondary, and that's how I think they're going to end up winning a lot of these games. Because I, I maybe one other team in the Big Ten on paper has the offensive line to slow that unit down if they're playing up to their potential. What about you? I mean, I, I think that. It's pretty much like you're saying on the defensive line because I'm looking at the two deep right now, and when guys like Jonathan Cooper, Deshaun Cornell, Chase Young, who we've heard a lot about in practice, and even my guy, probably my favorite player on this defense that's very under-heralded, Robert Landers at defensive tackle, those are guys that they can just rotate in, and I, I think that where they can kind of make their bones, not only in this game, but early season as they kind of figure out the rotation in the back end and who are going to be those guys that you can leave on an island at corner and kind of who that guy is to man the roaming spot at safety, whether it's Jordan Fuller or Eric Smith, you can just let the defensive line go wild. And I think that we saw last year they were able to rush for and get away with it. And I think that even more so this season, you're going to see that with guys like Sam Hubbard, Jalen Holmes, and Tyquan Lewis, plus Bosa on the outside. And that's just a defensive end. And that's not even taking into account Draymond Jones and Tracy Sprinkle, who's back from injury. So I think that, like you're saying... A team, a team captain, I think, which is, given what how his career at Ohio State started, is bananas. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to see. And I'm sure 
a lot of people watched that video of Larry Johnson calling Tracy Sprinkle's mom about him being named team captain. And I, I know you, I'm the same way. Like when he was a freshman sophomore, there was no way I thought that would ever happen. Yeah, I thought I thought I thought he was a cut candidate. I mean, he he already was um, recruiting rankings wise, pedigree wise, was on the low end for a take for Ohio State. I'm not sure Tracy Sprinkle as a recruit in like 2017 would get an Ohio State offer, and 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 uh, that just goes to show as a testament to not only the internal development of Ohio State the work that he himself has put in and what his teammates think of him. Like it's, that's, it's, it's a, it's a loaded group. It's going to have to play like a loaded group. Um, but the potential and the returning production is there for it to be very special and, and just really dominate a lot of offenses here. Um, in the Big Ten. How many freshmen do you think are going to play on Thursday? Because it does seem like the uh, the we play freshman meme is, is finally going to die this year. It, it, it is starting to, to, to stop at this point. I mean, like, I haven't had a chance to see exactly who's on the travel roster. It seems pretty clear that if, if nothing else on special teams, we're going to see a lot of guys in the secondary get get some snaps. And, and part of that is just because Ohio State doesn't have enough bodies uh, especially given how they rotate players to, to just play four upperclassmen. So, you know, guys like Isaiah Pryor and Sean Wade and Okuda, they're, they're going to get snaps. Um, an interesting thing here, and, and maybe you guys have followed this a little bit more, um, seems like J.K. Dobbins is likely to get some snaps here too. So yeah. the, the, the positive press about him throughout camp has been very strong. The health of Mike Weber is a little bit undetermined at this point in the week. I, I believe Urban Meyer said he's close to 100%, but he hasn't been able to get as many reps uh, throughout the, the course of, of preseason camp. I think Ohio State's definitely going to want to run the ball and run the ball a lot, and uh, I would expect him to get some carries or, or, some, or some catch opportunities because he's a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, I think that just looking back at Urban Meyer's history at Ohio State, I can't remember, and maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm just forgetting about how the hype was for Bosa but at least offensively I can't remember somebody getting more hype not only in the program but from people that went to practice Dave Revson was talking about J.K. Dobbins on the solid verbal being a guy to watch out for Ohio State not just as a freshman but as a player overall who could be very good for them I think that you know he's a guy that may end up splitting carries not 50-50 with Mike Weber as the season goes on but if he goes out and has a huge game in week one against a conference opponent and a good defense, then that may be you know the biggest impact we've seen from a true freshman is in J.K. Dobbins. So I think watching out for him is is something that you know is going to be very beneficial to see kind of how the carry situation goes out for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean Ohio State's only got one football, it, and it's going to be really important for them, I think, to make sure that they're that they're sustaining drives and, and getting being able to run enough plays to let all of these guys get a chance to touch the ball. If nothing else, to help keep them keep them on the roster. You can't, you know. It, of course, if if you have games where you're only running 55 plays, you're probably not going to win all that often if you're Ohio State. But that's it, you. you can't, you know, you can't have Mike Weber get eight carries. You can't let. You know, a, a, a guy like Austin Mack get like two targets or something. You, you, there's there's so many people you have to find a way to bring into the game. That's that's one of the, the challenging things here, I think, for for this coaching staff. 
and, and how that gets managed with playing time and red shirts and, and, and matchups and everything. That's going to be an interesting storyline as we go uh, into the season, especially once we get past these first two weeks. Like, it's a weird kind of schedule that's really front-loaded. Like, Indiana is, uh, I mean, like, that's a game that Ohio State's favored by, what, like three touchdowns or, or something in that neighborhood. But it's still going to be a, that's on the road. It's a real football game. Then you have Oklahoma the next week enormous game playoff implications you know huge for everything and then it's basically like a month where ohio state should be 25 point favorite every single game and that's where we can get a little bit more creative i think or we'll see more creativity and how to bring in some of these young players with army and unlv and, and rutgers and and those kind of teams before a more solidified rotation i think is put into place for a much more difficult late october through the end of the season stretch the last thing that I wanted to talk about this game, at least personnel-wise for Ohio State, is special teams. And we saw how how that was against Clemson, especially in the kicking game. Sean Nuremberger's back. He's listed as the first-team kicker. I think the most important piece and loss that they have is Cam Johnston at punter, and you'll see Drew Chrisman back there. And I was pretty shocked, too. I think Ohio State hasn't had a kick return for a touchdown since, like, 2011. And it looks like K.J. Hill and Paris Campbell are going to get the first cracks at that. Campbell almost took one back against Indiana last year. And then we've seen them have issues at punt returner just being able to field the ball. So I'm very curious to see how that shakes out and if things are a little bit wobbly like they have been or if they're able to get some solid return production and and how the punting looks because I think that that's going to be something if Chrisman isn't there all those hidden yards that they got with Cam Johnson that's going to be a big blow man like that is another really fascinating question I think it's unreasonable to expect Ohio State's going to have a punt game as dominant as they've had the past couple of seasons with Johnson. Chrisman was the number one punter as a recruit in in his class Uh, he is He's one of my people, so I have you know I have a little bit of a soft spot for the guy. You know, you know, picked picked the Cougar, picked uh, the Buckeyes over BYU was like a, a mission candidate for a little while. But if you assume that maybe Ohio State gets like eighty five percent of of or eighty percent of the punt game that they had before, that has to you have to make that up somewhere else. Whether that's in kick coverage, where I think that's always a, gonna, a place where Ohio State should potentially be very strong given the caliber of athletes that they can put out on special teams and having some of these like high four-star five-star you know freshman linebackers come out and start smacking people around but the on uh, the special teams offense needs to improve Ohio State has not had a really dynamite kicker for a, a couple of seasons and the uh instability I think in punt and kickoff returns has been an issue as well. It's always got kind of an adventure with Jalen Marshall. It's been an adventure, you know, after that with with uh, guys potentially fumbling the ball or or, or not. Dontre Wilson. Dontre Wilson, absolutely not turning that into a strength. The Buckeyes have so much speed and so many guys that they're not able to get involved in the offense because you can only play so many guys right now. That has to be something that's important. I know that Urban Meyer. Is a is a you know that he started his coaching career focusing a lot on special teams. I know that that's something that's emphasized within the program. That's also going to be an interesting thing, an important thing here for Ohio State to watch as one of their big advantages, likely going to be eroded a little bit. All right. Well, I think we've broken down the game enough. If you had to give a score prediction, what do you think happens on Thursday? Give me the Buckeyes thirty. Give me the Buckeyes thirty to thirteen. 30, 30, 30, 30, 13, 30 to 14, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in that neighborhood. I don't, I don't know if that's covering or not, but I, I think this will be a game until like the late third quarter. I think that sounds right, and you can definitely see this playing out where 
Indiana's able to kind of stop Ohio State on defense for a little bit as Ohio State figures out how to gel against an actual live defense. And like we said, Indiana's defense is very good. So I think it may take a little bit of a little bit of time. But thirty to thirteen sounds about right. I I was thinking thirty seven to seventeen, thirty seven to twenty, a double digit win, something to, to where you know it's not as close as some of these Indiana games have been in the past. And I do think that the defense, I'd be shocked if Indiana scores more than twenty points in this game because I think the the defense, especially that front four, is really going to harass them in the pass game. And if they're able to kind of limit what Indiana is able to do on those early downs and push them into those longer passing downs, then I think that they should be able to feast and kind of mask what will be a lot of guys playing in their first game or getting you know their first real experience in that secondary. I just hope that it's not a stressful experience for me. I feel like it's been a little bit harder for me to enjoy watching Ohio State football over the last two seasons, which I know is – just ridiculously first world <laughs> fan problems. And part of that has, has been because of the work I was doing for Land Grant. I'm doing less of, less of that this year and doing more national stuff this season. So I might be able to relax a little bit. But when your team is a 27 point favorite and you're up by nine, you know, going into the fourth quarter and you know, you're going to have all these ho- all this hollering on Twitter. It's a, it's a stressful thing. I hopefully that is uh, less of the case at least to start this season. Yeah, hopefully we don't have a bunch of Indiana fans listening who are like, oh, yeah, real real tough. You guys have I know. lost six games in five years. So stressful. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know you all are, are playing the world's smallest violins. That's justified. I understand it. Counterpoint, I've got Cleveland sports to deal with. So give me, give me, this, give me this one thing, all right? Yeah, unlike the spot, Cleveland sports, bad. Real quickly before we... And this year, big week one. What uh, what are you most looking forward to here in the first Saturday of college football? Because like that's low key my favorite part about this game being on a Thursday is oh yeah, it's just that, and we get all of Saturday to watch everything and not have to worry about anything else. Oh, dude, it, it, that I I actually really really like, and I remember hating it a couple years ago when when Ohio State played Virginia Tech on Labor Day. Because you still have a little bit of that stress coming because the game hasn't happened yet. The fact that it gets knocked out out of the way, you don't have to think about it so much. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. There's a bunch of really fun games on Saturday. I'm actually kind of interested in Maryland and Texas. Uh, I think Texas is unquestionably overrated right now. This, this is a, a roster that's still mostly intact from a team that lost to Kansas. You don't get to start in the preseason top 25 if you lost to Kansas last year. Even if you win 11-1 and and you lose to Kansas. Sorry, you start also receiving votes. Uh, that might be a game that I think could be closer than uh, many are anticipating. I think Maryland is like a team that I'm kind of getting on the bandwagon for. Um, they don't really have a quarterback, but they have a bunch of other things that are going to be fun. Michigan and Florida is going to be fun. The uh, shoot, the Florida, Florida State, Alabama, obviously is going to be is going to be really fun. Um, to or rather fun to the extent that a game involving Alabama it, it can be fun. But there, but even you know some of these games that aren't involving like mega ranked teams, I think should be interesting. Like North Carolina and Cal is going to be compelling football, even if it's not necessarily really well played football. It's 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 gonna it's it's gonna be a good week. I'm looking forward to watching with a little bit less stress. And then also, you know, real quick upset alert: noon, Big Ten Network. First, you know, on on your uh, your your first first shift here on the Saturday office. Uh, watch for Wyoming to give Iowa a handle. Yes, I was literally about to bring that up because Always I fun. was. I think they've had it. They've had at least one 
suspension or one injury, and it feels like they're not really going into the season with the most positive <laughs> momentum in Wyoming with the quarterback there and with what they've been able to do against some better teams. I think that there's a very real possibility, given Iowa's history, at losing that game, even if it's at home. And then another one that I'm looking at is South Carolina and NC State, which should be pretty fun, neutral site game. You have NC State, who a lot of people are picking to make some noise in the ACC, a sleeper playoff pick from a few people. And even if South Carolina isn't very good, I think that that'll be a great test for NC State. And then another upset alert, and maybe you'll talk me down from this ledge, I don't think it'll happen, especially how they looked on, on Saturday, but I think BYU, with how weird of an offseason LSU's had and Ed Orgeron getting the job, Arden Key, their star pass rusher, isn't going to play in that game, and it's probably it's definitely going to be relocated. We don't know where to yet, but I think that BYU can keep that closer than a lot of people think with LSU, and I, I'm not sure that I'm buying LSU as better than an 8-4, and 9-3 and three type of team this year. And then lastly, Friday, I'll be at the game, CU-CSU, which based off of how CSU looked against Oregon State, I think there's a very real possibility that CSU is going to win that game. Poten but yeah, potentially by, by double digits. Colorado State's offense is ridiculous. All right, let me talk to you, talk to you all about BYU-LSU. This, this this is my pitch, and, and you know we don't know what this is going to be yet, so that that may matter a little bit. If you want to sell me on BYU covering this game, I'm totally here for it. Uh, I think the line was around 14. I think BYU can keep it closer than that. I don't see how they win. the 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 big problem is that BYU's wide receivers kind of suck. Uh, they don't really have very explosive running backs. Their best tag, they're, they're trying to use a tight end in the passing game more. They have like an interesting, I think, redshirt freshman uh, there, and they have, they have a really good quarterback. But their offensive line is going to get destroyed by LSU's. And LSU's second, I mean, if you can't get separation with your wide receivers from Portland State, who's a good FCS team, but an FCS team, then against a, a bunch of guys that are likely going to be top three round draft picks, like there, there's no chance. Um, BYU's front seven is actually very good, I think. They have some really, really good linebackers that's very well coached, um, so they can kind of keep this into an, an ugly slap fight. But um, I don't think that they are well-equipped to beat a team like LSU. I, I, I've seen a couple people talk up BYU as like a potential like top 25 team this year. I'm, I, don't, I don't see it. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, and I think that that first game was kind of an indicator on how up and down things may be and on LSU's side I guess we'll just have to see Ed Orgeron with a full season but there are definitely worse things in the world than just being able to hand the ball to Darius Geis and I think that Matt Canada is definitely the best offensive mind yeah they've had at that school maybe ever yeah yeah that it's since maybe since like Billy Cannon or something um I, I don't I don't buy them as like a national title type team either but they are more athletic than BYU at most positions BYU is pretty big but I, 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 I would be very surprised if they win that game. If you, if you want a, a BYU upset alert possibility, I think that's Wisconsin, but, but not this week. Week one should be a shit ton of fun. I know I can't wait for it. We'll have everything covered on the Ohio State, Indiana front on landgrantholyland.com. Make sure to visit the website. And then for everything college football, make sure to go to sbnation.com. Click the college football tab. You can see everything. And then follow along with everybody on Twitter. And that's probably a good place for us to wrap up the show. 
If you guys want to listen to this episode or any of the old episodes we've done, make sure to go to soundcloud.com slash Land. Find the shows there. You can download there, listen on your mobile, listen on your desktop. Find us wherever. You can also go to Apple Podcasts, search The Hangout in the Holy Land, subscribe, leave a review, tell us how much you love the podcast. We have one review in right now, so sports fan 2013 whoever you are, Thank you for the kind review. We appreciate it. <laughs> if you guys like the show, be like sports fan 2013. Leave a review. Tell us what you think about the show. You can also send me a tweet at Dubsco or send this site a tweet and tell us what you think at LandGrant33. And you can also find Matt on Twitter. Matt, where can the people interact with you? You can find me at Matt SBN. I will be helping out Land Grant throughout the season. I expect to still write my column, which uh, – which is appropriately called my column uh, throughout football season. I, of course, used to run Land Grant. Um, I'm doing some more national stuff through with SB Nation. I've got a story on Alabama that should be published on Tuesday. Uh, and, of course, you can buy my book. It's on Amazon. It's on Kindle for like six bucks. It's, it's pretty cheap. Um, you can get it across a couple of independent bookstores in Ohio and on Amazon.com. It's called What If, A Closer Look at College Football's Great Questions. If you are into some weird-ass college football history from the time that Michigan got the got kicked out of the Big Ten for cheating to the time that Tulane was dunking on fools in the SEC to when Bear Bryant used to coach at Maryland and, and, and had a potential dynasty coming there. You can learn all about them uh, if you pick up the original paywall, my book. Yeah, do it. Buy the book. I've read it. My dad's read it. We both loved it. I've had friends that have read it. They enjoy it. If you're a fan of college football, be sure to check out the book. We'll, of course, have a link to that in the blog post. But that's a good place to wrap up the show. Until next time, for Matt Brown, I'm Colton Denning. The spot was good, and this is The Hangout in the Holy Land.